0: You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church podcast. The, the word is phonicia. You ever had this? It's the act of dialing a phone number and forgetting who you were calling, just as they answer. Come on, you ever done it? So you can just tell them, "I have a moment of phonicia." I mean, you could get away with that. There's another word. It's a true word in the Urban Dictionary. It's called blame storming. You've heard of brainstorming, right? You get together and come up with great ideas. Uh, It's sitting in a group and discussing who's responsible for a company's problems rather than trying to solve them. You've probably never been in one of these meetings. Here's a word, intoxication. Not intoxication, intoxication. It's euphoria from getting a tax refund, which lasts until you realize that the money was yours to begin with. Come on. Come on. Well, now that I have your attention, let me let me go to this word or this phrase. The the word is grace. And the word is that God is great, or he's greater than. God is great. Uh, Sometimes we'll say this in church, and it's been something done in churches forever. God is good, and everybody says all the time, and then the pastor says, all the time, and everybody says, God is good, and all the sisters go, "Woo, you know, come on. I, I, I was in a church. As a matter of fact, when I was 20 years old, I got to preach in a predominantly uh, black congregation on a Sunday night service where the hoop and hollerers come. And I was a young Bible college student, and I'm in Crenshaw Imperial, if you know where that area is. that's where the Rodney King riots broke out. And I'm preaching on a Sunday night. I got my suit on, white shirt, black tie, black suit. I'm standing there. I'm 20 years old. I'm petrified to preach. They just had an hour and a half of worship. And I mean, it was... People running out of front. And they don't give their offering like we do. The offering plates are at the front. And they all ran down in the service to give their offering. Woo! And they're all They're so cheerful cheerful givers, you know, and I get up to preach and I was, I was okay, but not what they expected, you know, (laughs) and I was talking about the greatness of God and the wonder of God and they, God is good. And they all yelled back, how good is he preacher? I said, he's so good that he could make something out of nothing. And I said, God is good. How good is he preacher?" That went on the whole sermon. (laughs) Now, I know you're not like that. I'm, I'm probably, I'll get some of this during the sermon, I'm sure. <laughs> but how great is God? Okay, forget it. You're supposed to. <laughs> hey, he's great enough, get this statement, that your destiny is greater than your disaster. I just thought I'd tell you that. I mean, your, your destiny that God has for you is greater than your darkest moment, your most secret moment, the worst thought you had, the worst deed you ever did, the darkest moment of all. I found this online somewhere. There's nobody to attribute it to, but I started reading it and I go, oh, I'm going to cut and paste and put this in my message. So I did. Thank you, Microsoft. I could just go cut and paste. It says, if you believe in Jesus Christ and if you are born again by faith in the cross of Jesus, then you must have embraced the power of the resurrection of Christ. Hell doesn't have enough devils and you don't have enough enemies to keep God's purpose and plan from your life. Think about it. God didn't bring you this far to forsake you. He has too much invested in you to give up on you now. So we could all say that hell is not in charge of my life. I don't belong to the devil, I belong to God. I don't believe that the devil is greater than the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because the devil doesn't control my destiny and hell doesn't have the power to stop you or keep you down, just as the devil couldn't keep Jesus in the grave. Neither can he keep you in the trial or the setback or the affliction or the darkness that you're in now because God's light and grace are greater than. I like that. So his name is the Apostle Paul. And if you've got a Bible, you'll want to go to Romans 5, because that's where we're going to be this morning. But I want to read you something that the Apostle Paul wrote in Acts chapter 2. He said, This man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God, what? Raised him from the... Freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible... And I love this for death to keep its hold on him. Now, if you go to C Street and go up to the top and make a left turn, there's a lot of people in the grave. Now, we know if they're in the Lord, that their spirit has gone to be with Jesus. When you're absent from the body, you're present with the Lord. But Jesus is the only one that we know that that God up and rose again. We know Lazarus too, and we know that the the, the gentleman that came to Jesus, his daughter, Jesus, you know, rose, rose her from the dead. We get that. But Jesus is one that was physically raised from the dead, and the grave could not hold him, the most powerful resurrection ever recorded, and that physically he walked around. And those that followed Jesus in the early days Didn't follow him because they read about him in the Bible, though the Bible's wonderful. They didn't follow him because they simply heard about him. They followed him because they saw him. Over 500 people actually walked with, talked with, felt, touched, smelled, ate with Jesus after he rises from the dead. And I mean, that's pretty cool. You're like the first group of people to find out about something. And I know we all like information. We want all our friends to know. We, we text them. We Facebook. We tweet them. We Instagram them. We Pinterest them. We, we let them know I'm, I'm the first person to find this out. But, but for you to say, hey, hey, Jesus died on the cross, Good Friday. We all know that he died, and now he just walked down the street. And so I got close to him, and I, I bumped into his elbow, and I could feel the power. You know? How great is God? Well, that's pretty great. And it's so great that it, it reminds us underscoring of the grace of God. And I want to give you this verse today about this amazing Jesus. And it's the verse in Hebrews twelve fifteen. Whoever wrote this book of Hebrews, we're not sure who, here's what we say because he said it to us. Be sure that, read it, would you? That's okay. Let's do it a little better now. Be sure. Okay, let's do it now with our outside voices. Be sure that. No one misses out on God's grace. So if this is true, then the reverse would be true, that you could miss out on God's grace. So the job that I have today, the job that any of you that believe in Jesus have today, to make sure that you and your friends, and your family, don't miss out on the grace of God. If you miss out on raising your hands in worship, okay, all right. If you miss out on clapping, if you were not the one singing loud this morning, you could miss out on all that. Don't miss out on God's grace. Don't miss out on the grace of God that is greater than all of our sin. For many of us, grace is just another word. And for many of us, grace is just, I was in fifth grade Sunday school, and I heard it was undeserved provision, unmerited favor. I heard it was God being nice to me. But if we're really going to understand the Word, I have to take you back to understanding why the Word exists, and why the cross exists, and why the resurrection exists. It's because all of us have a virus. And when we talk about viruses in America, we get very nervous. When somebody talks about uh, Ebola or E.cola or Zika, we we all bird, bird flu virus. I mean, I got to tell you, people walk around Lompoc with masks on. You know. I said, somebody in Florida has it, one person, and you got a mask on in Lompoc. Something <laughs> something's wrong here. You know what I mean? We we freak out, but there is a virus, and the virus is called sin. And Romans 3:23 reminds us that ev- everyone what. And we all fall short of? Okay, so let me define the word everyone for you. Everyone simply means every person, everybody. How many of you are in this category? (laughs) So guess what? Guess what? You're all sinners. And God is greater than our sin. And that's really good news. That is good news. Sin is our sickness, and grace is our cure. And the prognosis for the diagnosis of sin, the prognosis, Romans 6:23, is, "The wages of sin is, is death." That's it. But grace comes. And, and Romans 5 tells us in verse 12, that when Adam's sin, this, this virus of sin entered into the world, and Adam's sin brought. Death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone's sin. And your ancestor, send in your DNA to ancestry and find out that you come from the line of sinners. Just thought I'd let you know. Yeah, but I'm I'm Dutch Irish. Good for you. You know, I'm German Italian. Good for me. But I just want to help you all. And genealogy is fun, and it's great, but, but I want to just, just help you with the, what the Bible says, that every one of us are sinners because we have this infection called sin, and we've been diagnosed with it, and there's only one thing that can save us from it, and, and that is grace. And some of you are going to go, okay, I, I went to youth group, and a youth camp, They told us we were sinners, we're saved by grace, got it. I, I read it online, I heard Billy Graham once, I heard Greg Laurie preach, I got it, I got it. you have anything else to tell us? Well, yes. For the sin of one man, Romans 5.15, Adam brought death into many, but even greater, I love this from New Living Translation, even greater is what? God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. So, grace is greater than our sin, and grace is greater than, well, I always give you fill-ins, why don't you fill one in? What's grace greater than for you? Now, if you came with anybody that you know and love and care about, you might need to write code, because you don't want to write down like, ooh, grace is greater than last Friday night, I don't want to tell them what I did, so, or what I did last summer. So anyway, if you're old enough to remember that, but, but grace is greater than, greater than the byproduct of sin, greater than my worst conversation with someone, greater than The promise that I broke, greater than a wrong that was done to me or a wrong that I did to someone else. It's it's greater than your problem with your brother or your sister or your teacher or your coach or your professor that doesn't like you and you're paying so much money to be in their class. (laughs) I just heard of that recently, sorry. Or maybe a past church experience Or maybe your marriage that's just your roommates now and you wonder if grace could be greater than. And I'm going to stick my neck out. And every time I do, um, I look around. He's not here, but there's a guy who always emails me and says, you can't take liberty with the scripture. And so, okay, I won't. So I'll just make up something then. It's not from the Bible. But, But I believe that, in my opinion, that when Jesus died on the cross, he died to restore our relationship with God. and I think he died to restore relationships with each other, too. I really do. And I know somebody will blast me for my opinion, but I, I believe that Jesus Christ is the greatest grace deliverer, the greatest bridge builder. And he doesn't want us to fight with each other or to have hatred in our hearts and bitterness and anger and malice. I think, on the contrary, he's the one that purges that stuff from us, and the closer we get to Jesus, the more loving we are, the more we live out the scriptures and how we're to interact with each other, and and how husbands are supposed to take care of wives, and wives take care of husbands, and brothers look out for their sisters, and sisters look out for their brothers, and, you know, I think it's all about the grace of God Romans 5, 16 to 18 says, And the result of God's gracious gift is a very, is very different from the result of the one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. And I think when we're being made right with God, we're being made right with others. And even though we are guilty in our sins or from our sins, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater... Is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it. For all who receive grace through faith in Jesus Christ will live in triumph over sin and will live in triumph over death through this one man, Jesus Christ. I want to live in triumph. How about you? Over my sin and and the day that my heart stops beating, I want to live in triumph over death. And whatever they decide to do with my body... I know that my spirit will be with the Lord, that my soul will be with God because of the triumph of Jesus Christ. And the question begs to be asked then, it's those who believe in Christ, it's those who are saved. And if you've not yet been saved, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to believe in him, that he died on the cross, that he rose again from the dead, and that what he did matters to you. Not only for today and tomorrow, but for all eternity. We have to believe in him. My college professor taught me this, a New Testament theology professor. He said, the hardest job you'll ever have as a pastor, the hardest job will not be budgets and not be working with staff and not be building buildings. The hardest job you'll ever have is getting people who go to church saved. Because they all think they're saved because they go to church. I mean, how many people are going to church or mass today or a service today and believe because I'm in the house, I become like the God of the house? I mean, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Come on. <laughs> or going to Foriano's makes you a sada burrito, you know? Or Taco Bell equal or Angela's or wherever it is you go, sorry. It's knowing who Christ is, and it's actually confessing with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you shall be saved. And I just got to tell you this, I will never, ever, ever get tired of this message. So grateful for last week, you know, 30 years of of honoring the church and honoring me for what we do here. And I was so great that the church was honored because you guys do so much. But our key message with all the things that we do in our community and all the organizations we support and all the people that we feed and and those that we help and, and all of that, our key message has got to be that our God is greater than anything that we face. And he's so great, in fact, that he gave us a savior named Jesus Christ to die on a cross for us when we didn't deserve it to rise again from the dead where death couldn't hold him so we could believe in him, so we could become totally transformed from the inside out. It's not from the outside in, because that's religion, but from the inside out where God's spirit changes us and, and, and makes us to be who we are called to be. And just as Adam, one sin brings condemnation for everything, but Christ, one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. And that's what you can't miss. If you miss that, you miss the grace of God. And you'll just come to church, and I hope you keep coming. But the absence of grace always creates religion. And I don't like religion. Religion is when I was a young guy in Bible college and I played in a Christian band. And every Sunday night we would travel to different churches. And this one particular night we, we, we set up our gear where we're coming in and, and I'm the drummer. I should have learned how to play the flute. Because you bring this little case, you put one little thing together and you go, and you're done. And I had to slip all this gear and a bass drum and a thing and a cymbal, and I'm bringing all my gear, right? And this little lady comes from the back of the church and makes her way down to the platform. And, 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 and I'm not trying to be, make fun of her, but I do have to tell you a little bit about her. She was about this tall, and she walked forward, and everything behind her, like, stuck out, you know? And she's walking down the aisle, and she says, uh, young man, who are you? Bifocal, young man, who are you? I said, my name's Bernie Fetterman. I'm part of the free flight band. Oh, oh, yes. We're having a special worship service tonight. I said, yes, we are. She goes, but what are are those? I said, drums. Oh, no, forbidden. This is the house of the Lord. He doesn't like drums. So out of respect... I got all my drums, slept them back to the car, front seat, back seat, trunk, you with me? Passenger seat, boom, floor tom, come on, cymbals everywhere. And I told the band, guy who led our band, I said, uh, we're not having any drums tonight. Oh, man, what do we do with those songs you start? I'll be in the front row and I'll clap. And that's how we'll get the tempo. So the pastor comes and sees me putting my drums in the car. Hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm putting my drums in the car. Why? Well, there's a lady. Oh, Sister Ethel, yeah. <laughs> I said, "Yeah, I, can I ask you, sir, a question?" I'm, you know, I'm a young punk Bible college kid and leading a youth group, and I don't know a whole lot. But I mean, do you guys believe in drums? He goes, "Well, listen, I love drums. I love jazz. Oh, and the big symbol, and you." I love it. But Sister Ethel, man, she don't, she don't do drums. So therefore, you shall not do drums. Now, in Bible college, you gotta understand that so we, we had this thing called scripture and verse. Like if somebody said, Yes, the Lord's coming tomorrow, scripture and verse, please. You had to have a verse to back up what you were saying. So I said to this pastor, because I didn't know any better, scripture and verse. Thou shalt not play drums in the house of the Lord. Where is it, the 13th commandment? You're going, well, there's only 10. No, the people have added others. Where is it? He said, no, it's not there. I think the Lord smiles upon drummers. I go, good, I art one. But I sat in the front row and, and clapped. And as we left, the band started to leave at the end of this worship night. And this gentleman walked up to us and said, um, Really disappointed in you guys. I said, Why? Because you guys don't have suits and ties. Oh. I'm a drummer, man. It's, you, can't, you can't, it's hard to play. And here's what he said well, All people who represent the Lord should wear a suit and a tie. Then I said something really stupid. You know what I said? <laughs> Scripture and verse. <laughs> we were never invited back to that church. See, religion is our attempt to earn God's favor by adhering to rules and regulations. I earn God's favor by believing in his son, which is the gift of grace and life and love that's been given to me, and even Jesus criticized religion. He said, you look good on the outside, but you're kind of like whitewashed tombs. You don't have any life on the inside. Religion is, is rules, and I'm not here to like blast Religion, but we must be careful. Why? Because grace is based on what's been done for us, the finished work of Christ on the cross. Well, what's the definition of grace? Because we're defining words this morning. It is favor and kindness. It implies that something is undeserved and an expression of thanks would be normal and natural as a result of this grace, that we are worshipers and we we are appreciative of God's grace, that every morning we rise up and say, Lord, Lord, thank you for this day and the breath you give me, but above all else, thank you for your grace. That's greater than all of my sin. Romans 6, it was the Apostle Paul that says, thank God we were once slaves, but, but now we've been transformed by this grace of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through the Lord Jesus Christ that he's given us. It is grace that produces gratitude. It is when we say, Lord, I'm so undeserving that you would love me and pick me and allow me to be your son or allow me to be your daughter. It, 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 It is so overwhelming to me that you would give me a right to even speak to you, God, the God of the universe. It's so overwhelming to me that you care about my concerns and the things I can't answer, that I can talk to you even in the middle of the night when I can't sleep and I toss and turn, but I can say, I love you, God, and that you are with me. I don't know if this ever gets you, but every once in a while, it just overwhelms me that I get to talk to the God of the universe. I mean, it, it's, it's more profound than you talking to anyone else that God, who created you, allows you to speak to Him and to praise Him and to thank Him and to show Him your concerns and to ask Him for forgiveness. It's amazing to me. So, real quick God's grace is greater than religion. If you want to say that's good, that's good. Somebody would say in that church that I preached in, How great is God! <laughs> over religion. Well, Romans 5.20 says, but as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. And for you to know the grace of God, you must have more than an explanation. You must have an experience. And here's where it gets dicey because you know, pastors stand up and say, experience the Lord. And the theologians say, but you have to know him you know, you have to know about him. I don't want to just know about him, though that's good. I want to know him. I don't want to only know the word of God. I want to know the God of the word. I want to know who he is. I want to be able to, to experience this God. And I think there's something deeply profound. And, I, and there's the hard part. I can't explain experience to you. Except to know when, when, when you have sinned and you've, you've wronged God or you've told a lie, even a little white one because white lies are lies too, that you could stop and say, God, please help me feel your grace today. Help me know your forgiveness today. Or as a married couple, you could grab your spouse's hand. Or as a boyfriend and girlfriend who are wanting to live pure and live for the Lord, you could grab their hand and say, God, help us. We want your grace to come. May we experience your grace. As parents working with kids, as as grandparents, the next generation, just to be able to say, God, help us to experience your grace, to know it. And even though we can't explain it, to to know it. And I can just tell you without going to a lot of stories how many times God has shown up in my dark hour, in my time where I have wronged him in my time where I've not been the man I'm supposed to be where God's grace comes. Uh, You all know the story, and we don't have time to tell it because I've already taken too much of your time, but in John chapter 8, you know the story about the the woman caught in adultery. I preached on it twice last year in some way, shape, or form, so I, I checked my notes and found that. So you already know the story, right? But here's a woman, Jesus is teaching in the morning. For some reason, he's such a profound teacher that everybody gets up early to come to hear him speak. And whatever he's teaching on, we don't know, but right in the middle of his teaching, this woman is thrown at his feet. Uh, She's probably got the sheet off the bed trying to cover her body, and she's been ridiculed and ripped apart. And uh, the religion, the religious leaders, teacher... This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law says that we should take stones and throw them at her until she dies. What do you say? He doesn't say anything, you know. He stoops down and he writes something in the dirt. And all the theologians have said, well, I know what he wrote. I don't know what he wrote. I could give you my opinion. Of course, I'll get an email again, but let me give you my opinion. (laughs) And here's my opinion. I just think he wrote Joe. Last Friday at 4.15. Susie. (laughs) Last week at 10.45 p.m. I think that's what he wrote. And while he's writing what their sin is, again, my opinion, I could be wrong. Whatever he wrote was enough to have them drop their rocks one by one. You who's squeaky clean. You who's never lied. You who's never committed adultery. You who's never been promiscuous. You who never looked at images on the internet that, oh, wait, they wouldn't have had that then. You drop your rocks. And one by one, they drop their rocks. And this woman who was ripped to shreds by religion finds the Savior Jesus who somehow convinces her that her destiny is greater than her disaster. Maybe somebody in here needs that phrase today. Your destiny is greater than your disaster. And Jesus is so great that you could write this down. We'll we'll pick it up in just a second. That God's grace is greater than your darkest moment. Paul said it this way, that my grace, may the grace Uh, In 2 Corinthians, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's my prayer for you as a church. That's my prayer for you as a young person with a future ahead of you, with college in your sights, with a job in your sights, your career dreams, whatever it might be. Those of you that are getting older, some of you are retiring, some are retired and you're wondering about your future, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. There's a good blessing for you all to memorize. Hey, see you later, see you later too, but may, may the grace of the Lord, wouldn't that be great? You tell somebody this week at work, hey, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May you experience his grace. Why? Because I don't want anyone to fall behind or miss the grace of God. The power and the strength of God's love and grace are greater than our darkness, than our secrets, than our worst moments, because there is no freedom without grace. There's just more bondage. And people sit at night when no one's around, and before we doze off to sleep, and we remember last year or 10 years ago or last week, and God's grace comes because God's grace is greater, number three, than our shame. Jesus is left alone with the woman who had committed adultery. She is humiliated and ashamed. Do you think this is her darkest moment? I do. Jesus knows everything about her because he's God. He knows how many men she slept with. He knows everything about her. He knows that he was, she was set up, my belief by the religious leaders that they would be able to trip Jesus up with this question. They probably, I'm assuming now, don't send me an email, but I'm assuming. They probably offered a ransom sum of money to sleep with some guy. And by the way, the guy is never, ever, ever put in the public square. Wasn't he there? Why not stone the dude? No, we stone the woman. Sorry, ladies. But I believe in equal punishment, (laughs) right? Not only equal pay, equal punishment. Shouldn't the dude be stoned? Come on. But all the religious guys are, well, you know, we're just men. Boys will be boys. (laughs) Isn't that horrible? How many times have women been blamed for stuff that guys did because guys are stupid? I'm sorry. I'm a guy. I can say it. Well, if she wasn't wearing that, we wouldn't have thought that. Shame on you guys. Yeah. You know what I've, I've learned to do? I'm just going to tell you this, if it helps anybody. I just close my eyes. When Victoria's Secret wants to put their commercials on my TV that I pay for, I pay for my, my cable. I pay good money for my cable. It bothers me that I don't have the right to say anything that's suggestive doesn't come on my TV, but I don't have that right. So I just close my eyes. Because it keeps my brain right, and it honors my wife. Hello. Yeah. Rather than, you're half asleep on the couch, here comes Victoria's Secret. And she's got to watch you watch that. Anyway, I'm sorry. Different sermon for a different day. Actually, it's a men's breakfast message. Sorry, ladies. (laughs) That's why you should send your men to our men's group because we talk about this kind of stuff. You'd be happy, ladies. You would love it. Send him. And Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, listen to this, where are your accusers? Don't you love that? The Jesus that many people create religions about and over, and many people quote him, you can't have drums because Jesus said, you got to wear a suit because Jesus said, come on. Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, are you wanting to talk about God's grace is greater than? Jesus says, who is God, that neither do I condemn you. By the way, I don't like what you've been doing, so go and don't do it again. He doesn't condone her sin, but he doesn't condemn her. Here's the Savior who doesn't condone but he doesn't condemn. I want to end by, by reading. I got more to say, but you can come back next week. <laughs> I want to read an excerpt from, from the book called Grace More Than We Deserve, Greater Than We Imagine. Max Lucato wrote this. And I don't know Max, but every once in a while I read some of his stuff and he becomes my friend. It's called a low-maintenance relationship. I buy his books, I read his stuff online, I give him my money, he's become my friend. <laughs> Max writes, some years ago I underwent a heart procedure. My heart was beating like a telegraph operator, setting Morse code, fast, 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 slow, slow, slow. After several failed attempts to restore healthy rhythm with medication, my doctor decided that I should have a catheter Ablation. If I said that wrong, I apologize. The plan went something like this. A cardiologist would insert two cables in my heart via a blood vessel. One was a camera and the other was an ablation tool. To ablate is to burn. Yes, burn, fire, smoke, cauterize, singe, brand inside my heart. If all went well, the doctor said we would destroy the misbehaving parts of your heart. So I was wielding the surgery. The doctor said, Before we put you under, is there anything else you'd like to ask us? And trying to be witty, he said, You're burning the interior of my heart, right? He said, Correct. You intend to kill the misbehaving cells. Yes, that's my plan. As long as you're in there, could you take a little blowtorch and blow out some greed, some selfishness, some superiority, and some guilt that I have in my heart? The doctor smiled and said, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> Indeed it was. But Lucato goes on to say, it's not above God. We'd be wrong to think this change that God brings happens overnight. We'd be equally wrong to assume that change never happens at all. God has the power to change any one of us if we allow him to do his work from the inside out. It is a breakthrough. It is the grace of God that brings salvation, Titus 2.11, and that salvation has appeared. When the floodgates are open, Lucato says, the water is out, you just never know where grace will seep in. Could you use some grace today? The meaning of life the wasted years of life, the poor choices of our life, that God answers the messes of our life with one big word, grace. And I would add that grace is greater than. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I'll give you a brand new heart and put a new spirit within you. If you know Jesus Christ and you believe in him, then God begins to command your hands and your feet. He requisitions our minds and our tongue. We sense his rearranging. He comes and he has the ability with his grace to hug the stink out of the prodigal son. And he comes to give us strength. Don't ever forget, you dear ones in this room, that if you accomplish anything, it's because of the Lord. A young man, if you accomplish anything, it's because of the Lord. When you make those spin moves and knock people silly, it's because of the Lord. <laughs> Pastor, email, he doesn't like violence. It's okay on the field. <laughs> I, I told my grandson, who's 10 years old, he's playing for the, for the Conks uh, up on the hill. and He's such a nice kid. He's nice. I said, what happens on the gridiron, though? You can knock people down and help them up. (laughs) And once you're on the sideline, just be nice. Don't hurt anybody when you're on the field. Hey, if you've accomplished anything, any of you in here, you remember it's because of the Lord. He gives us strength. He gives us our ability to get up in the morning. He makes our heartbeat. He gives us our breath because he's greater than even ourselves. Don't forget that. And some of you that are really young, when you're old like me, don't forget that, 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 that God is greater than our hurt. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And that God is greater than our pain. We're going to talk about that. And God's grace is greater than our sin. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.